We're just going to continue in the vein that we were in Thursday night. Um, I sent out a short video from Bishop yesterday when he spoke for a few minutes at prayer in Puyallup yesterday. Sent a reminder out this morning if maybe you hadn't got a chance to watch it, to watch it. I'm, I'm in this. I'm just, I don't want to use this word stuck. The Lord has me right here. And so here we are. Um, if, if you weren't here Thursday night or you weren't, um, and you weren't able to uh, watch or hear Thursday night from online, I encourage you to please go do so. It's uh, on the church's YouTube channel and on the church's um, audio podcasts. Um, and then watch and view what Bishop shared in Jesus' name. We need to get this the way God wants us to get it. We are designed by God to be laborers together with him. I want you to hear that again. We, every single one of us, are designed by God to be laborers together with him. Now that's a shift. You say, how? Because there's a difference between laboring for him and laboring with him. to sink in for a minute. We are called to be laborers together with him in this hour. There's a scripture that talks about them going out and the Lord going with them. Remember that? The Lord working with them, confirming the word. We're meant to be laborers together with him. It was on, in early May, the Lord began dealing with me about this. And uh, for those young men of you, you know who you are that are part of what we call the Timothy Project. This is going to sound familiar because I got, a, I got a group of young men together on, let me look at the date here. On Saturday, May the 13th, so about a month ago, and uh, we got a cup of coffee and jumped in the truck and said, we're going to take a ride. I want to take you to see some things. But I, before we pulled out of the parking lot, I read this scripture that I'm about to read here this morning in John chapter 4 to them. And as I read the scripture the Holy Ghost came into that vehicle with us that morning, sitting there in that spiritual Starbucks parking lot. John chapter 4. I referenced this verse on Thursday night. Bishop referenced it yesterday in that short... It's been in my spirit since that week leading up to May the 13th when I shared it with that group of young men. And it just is coming back again. So I read these scriptures in this other. I'm going to read them here now. John chapter 4, verse 34. Jesus said to them. 
Now, you need to have context when Jesus is talking. Jesus, if you read all of John chapter 4, he has been there. He's there with the lady at the well. And he stopped at noon near Sychar. And the disciples went into town to buy meat. And he said, I'm going to stay here because he was wearied with his journey, the Bible says. And while he's there, this woman comes out to the well to draw water. Yes. And you know the story. She's drawing water. She's coming. And Jesus says, give me to drink. She says, how is it that you, a Jew, have, are talking to a Samaritan? He said, if you knew who it was that was speaking to you, I, you would have asked me to give you drink. I want you to see what's happening in this exchange. Because this exchange is critical to what comes afterwards. I've never given the attention like I have recently where the Lord has drawn me to. The importance of that exchange and its overarching understanding. Yes, that individual exchange was critical. But the things that come afterwards was because he was... He was saying it in the context of having just come out of that exchange. And he says to her, if you knew who it was that asked you to give him drink, you would have asked of me to give you drink. And I would have given you living water and you would never thirst again. I would satisfy the longing of your soul. What I would give you would do something in you that this drawing at noon isn't satisfying. What I would give you would heal all the hurt that I know is in your life. What I would give you would satisfy that searching that you've got going on. What I, if you knew who I was, you'd just ask of me. She said, sir, she's still thinking in the natural. The well's deep. You don't have anything to do. And she goes into all this thing. And he finally reveals himself. You know, he says, I'm, I'm the Messiah. I'm the But she said, he says to her, go get your husband. She said, I don't have a husband. He says, you're right. What you said is true. You've had five husbands. The one you're with now isn't your husband. He reveals her, and we believe he shared probably more than that. But that's just all the scripture records. Because she goes back into the city, and she says, come with me. There's a man I've met. He's told me everything that ever I've done. Now, clearly, he didn't do that accusing her. What was he doing? He was speaking to all of her hurt and all of her life experiences and all. And he was saying, I got living water. When you drink it, it'll satisfy all those things that none of that other stuff you've engaged in throughout your life has ever satisfied. You've gone through all this stuff, relationship, 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 whatever else in her life. You've gone through all that. It didn't satisfy you. I've got living water. Disciples came back on that. She brought all the city out with her. What he did so impacted her life, she went and told everybody. That should happen to us. That should happen to us. Now, so the disciples come back on that setting. That's just taken place. So it's important to understand what's just happened. And so that has taken place, and the disciples show up. And maybe you can go back to verse 33, just so we're, maybe 32, one more. There you go. Remember, they went into town to get meat. He said, I'm going to sit here. So they came back and they said to him, they were like, they got food. And he says, hey, I've got meat to eat that you don't know about. Well, why do we go get food? Right? Like Brother Lewis hiding snacks from his kids. If you don't know about that, ask him later. 
No, it's not like that. It wasn't in the natural. But Jesus said, but the disciples are in the natural. They're in the natural. We got to shift. We got to shift. We got to walk in the spirit. I have meat to eat that you know not of. Verse 33. Therefore said the disciples to one another. Somebody bring him food. I mean, we read it in the King James, but that's what they did. They're like, somebody bring him food while we were gone? They're in the natural. He's in the spiritual. What was, next verse, now verse 34. Jesus said to them, my meat or that which feeds me. Find it interesting, he was talking about living water and about food that fed him. My meat, that which feeds me, that which satisfies my hunger. It's not natural food. There's an acknowledgement that we have to have natural food to live. But that does not satisfy. What do you think all this foodie stuff is that's going on that's blown up like crazy? People taking pictures of their food, and I've done it. I'm not knocking it, you understand. But people like enamored with foods and foods and different foods. And what is that? I'll tell you what it is. It's feeding self. Now, we got, you got to feed yourself. <laughs> you understand what I mean? But, but it's about what pleases me, what pleases me, what pleases me. Jesus said, that won't satisfy you any more than this woman who drew out of the well. That's only going to satisfy you temporarily. He said, my meat, that which feeds me, that feeds the hunger of my life, it's to do the will of him that sent me. If you want hunger in your life to be satisfied, if I want the hunger of my life to be satisfied, the only way I'll ever find true satisfaction and contentment is to do the will of God who sent us. And to finish His work. Next verse. I've got to read these verses. Jesus said, this is the context. Remember, He just finished witnessing to a lady at a well. Pointing her to eternal life. He said, that's the meat that feeds me. And then he's talking to his disciples and he says, don't say there's four months and then comes harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes. Look on the fields. They're white. They're all ready to harvest. Verse 36. And he that reaps receive wages and gathers fruit to life eternal, that both he that sows and he that reaps may rejoice together. Verse 37. And herein is that saying true. One sows and another reaps. Verse 38. I sent you. Remember he said, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me. Jesus said, I sent you to reap that whereupon you bestowed no labor. Other men labored, and you are entered into their labors. I shared it Thursday night. I won't recount it all. But I talked about, and I talked with those men back on May the 13th, about this entering into other men's labors. I read this excerpt. I'm going to read it to you this morning. I referenced it without reading it on Thursday night. I want us to see this. Listen, in mid-1929, if you're doing the math, that was 94 years ago. Anybody here 94 years old? I didn't think so. 
In mid-1929, I made an application at the United States Immigration Office in Vancouver, that's Canada, and entered the States. My first service was in Seattle with Brother Opsund. While there, I met a talented couple, brother and sister Thomas Rowell, who played Spanish and Hawaiian guitars. I think that means the way they played the music, not so much the make of the guitar. And they sang. We decided to team up and conduct revivals. Our first revival, remember what year this is? 1929. Our first revival was in Yakima, Washington. With Brother Ralph Bullock. Anybody ever heard of Ralph Bullock in Yakima? Me neither. But apparently he was here pastoring or doing a work in 1929 or thereabouts. Lost my place. We had a good revival and I stayed there longer than I had planned. That's an indicator of a good revival. That means they thought they were going to be done and it just kept going. So they stayed longer than they planned. While in Yakima, a notable miracle took place. Brother and Sister Malding had a very... Anybody know Brother and Sister Malding? Those were saints of God in Yakima in the late 1920s and early 1930s. Their names recorded here in history. A notable miracle took place. Brother and Sister Malding had a very sick child with a bowel obstruction. They had consulted a doctor but wanted to trust God for the child's healing. Meanwhile, the Lord laid it upon the heart of a dedicated sister from Portland to come to Yakima and assist us in praying for several people who wanted to be filled with the Holy Ghost. She took it upon herself to fast and pray for the healing of the child. After three days, the child was completely healed. This incident inspired faith in all our hearts, and we began to conduct a healing service each Friday evening in Yakima, Washington. Brother Bullock had a good established work in Yakima. Did you catch that? Brother Bullock had a good established work in Yakima. We are entered into other men's labors. You can keep reading this story. By the way, this story is written firsthand. It's an autobiography by a man named Benjamin Urshan. Benjamin Urshan was from Iraq, or Iran, sorry. He was from Iran. His brother, Andrew, had came to the U.S. to get an education. And when his brother, Andrew, came to the U.S. to get an education, Somebody sowed the seed of truth in his heart. And Andrew was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and filled with the Holy Ghost. And he began telling everybody. His parents back in Iran were quite concerned. They, were, they said, something's happened to your brother. And so what they did is they sent their other son named Timothy, who was a little bit younger. They sent him to the States to rescue Andrew from this heresy, so to speak. Timothy came, and when he came, he met Andrew. And there's Andrew with a group of young men who he's had influence. He's already won to the Lord because of what God has done in his life. And Timothy could not resist what he witnessed in these young men. 
And in short order, Timothy was baptized in Jesus' name, speaking in other tongues as God filled him with the gift of the Holy Ghost. The parents thought, what do we do now? And in time, Andrew and Timothy went back and visited their family in Iran. And their family and their city. Andrew said, before you cast judgment on me, let me explain to you. And they brought the community together. And Andrew shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with the community. And the community was changed and transformed. Talking to you about men who have labored and other men have entered. It was the man who wrote this story, Benjamin, was Andrew's little brother. They were, I believe, 12 years apart. And when Andrew went back, he was but six or seven years old. God sowed a seed. And in time, as a young man now, a young adult man, he made his way back to Canada and came into the U.S. through Canada in his first place I just read to you. Why did I walk through that? We have entered into other men's If you listen to what Bishop shared yesterday, Thursday night, this is now the third time you've heard this verse, this set of verses. Those young men that were with us on May the 13th, this is now the fourth time at least. We need to lay hold on this truth and recognize. I do not know how much seed was sown during that revival in 1929 and 30. It passed on, it passed on, it passed on. I mentioned Brother Leslie Thursday night. We know that Bishop and Sister Bishop at least was here 15 years. Sister Schoonover, when they got married, was here some years as well. They were in Sunnyside for a couple of years before they went to Puyallup. These names that I just read to you, we don't even know the Maldings and the Bullocks. I don't know what work they did here, but I believe they did a work. And, and I'm sure there were men between them and Brother Leslie and different other names and saints that have gone before. We talked a couple weeks ago about Hebrews chapter 11 and these heroes of faith and running the race and none's complete without us. And the, I'm telling you, all of this is tied together in this spirit. I'm realizing God is, he, he wants to finish something and he started it years ago and we get to enter into the work that they've done. The race we're running is not an individual 100. It's a relay race. It's the only way I can describe it. We're running a relay race. Just because some ran the first leg and some ran the third leg, the race isn't done until what they call the anchor. The anchor is the last one that runs to the finish line. Are you track and field people? I feel like we're the anchor. I just feel like... Doesn't mean all those that ran before were less important. No, somebody had to pass the baton. But what do they do once they've run their part? They wait and watch with anticipation the ones who are running after them. They're watching, they're cheering them on, they're hoping for them. It's what the writer of Hebrews 12 meant when he said, we are compassed about with so great a cloud. Of witnesses it's those that have run the race before us and what are they doing they're trusting us to run our leg of the race to come to the finish 
And so there is this entering in to other men's labors, seed that has been sown. How is it possible that there will be end time harvest? I'll tell you how it's possible. Because there's seed sown that we did not sow, that someone else sowed, and it got passed to the next generation and the next generation. And maybe this generation went away, but the seed is still there in their heart. And maybe these strayed a little bit, but the seed is still there in the heart. The seed is the Word of God. The Word of God will not pass away. It will not return void. It will accomplish that which I sent it to do. And so the seed is still there. And so we pray, we pray, we pray. I know some of this is redundant, but I can't get it out of my... I don't want to get it out of my spirit. I want it to get so embedded in my spirit that it becomes who I am every moment of my life. And so we pray, Lord of the harvest, send forth laborers into the field. Lord of the harvest, rain upon the soil. Lord of the harvest, cause the seed to spring forth. You understand what we see in the Word of God. Joel chapter 2 and verse 23, I believe it is. Watch what is said here. Joel 2 and 23. We know Joel 2 is the prophetic chapter that we find Peter quoting in Acts chapter 2. But watch what he says here. Be glad then Zion. Zion is the church. Be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God. Why should we be glad? Why should we rejoice? Here's why. For He, who's He? The Lord your God. He hath given you, you catch that? He hath given you the former rain moderately. And He will cause to come down for you the rain the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. The prophet Joel was speaking of harvest. Seed had been sown, but the ground was dry. There was a need for rain to come and water the field so that harvest, the seed, would begin to spring forth. And Joel prophesied of end-time revival. And he's prophesying and saying, there is getting ready to come. God has already given it to you. He doesn't say, ask him to, and maybe he will. He's saying he's given it to you. He is declaring the prophetic word of God. And I feel such a witness in my spirit today that if we'll yield ourselves to the work of God, He is about to cause a rain to fall upon the valleys, a rain to fall upon the fields of harvest. It will not be restricted or limited to these valleys, but across the face of the earth. How is it that He could declare all nations will come to Him? Every tribe, every tongue, every nation. How is it He could declare later in this same chapter, I will pour out of My Spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. How is this going to happen? Because He's going to give the former rain and the latter rain together in the first month. What does that speak of? It speaks of a watering upon seed that causes a harvest to spring up. We cannot produce it. God has declared it. We just choose to participate in it. That's why Jesus said, pray ye. What are you supposed to pray? Pray for rain? No. Pray, Lord of the harvest. 
Pray, Lord of the harvest, send forth laborers into the field. Send forth laborers into the field. I don't care if you came 25 or 45 years ago or if you came four days ago. Pray, Lord of the harvest, send forth. We have the parable that Jesus told of the owner of the vineyard that went out to find laborers for his vineyard. And he went at the beginning of the day early and he found them and said, would you come work in my vineyard? Would you come work in this field of mine? I'll pay you. And they said, yes. And they went and there was still not enough workers. And so he went back later in the morning and invited more and they came. And he went back in the afternoon and invited more. And he went back, the Bible says, at the last hour and he invited them to come and labor in the vineyard. And then he began at the end of the day to pay them from those that came at the end to those that came in the beginning in that order. And he gave those that came at the end their what he gave them and he gave the same to every man. And those that had started at the beginning of the day said, Hold on! We've labored all day long. How is it that you gave those that came at the last the same as you gave us? And the Lord of the vineyard said, Did I not agree with you? For such and such. Now we can look at that as a sad thing or we can see that as a powerful thing. Because when we are laborers together with Him in His vineyard, the reward is eternal life. And I don't care if you've labored in the vineyard for 45 years or you've labored in the vineyard for four minutes when the trumpet sounds. The reward is the same. The reward is the same. And we're called to be laborers together with Him. This is what we pray. There is a harvest. There is a harvest so great and so vast in these valleys and beyond that we cannot produce it. We cannot do it. It's going to be a sovereign work of His Spirit. But we must be engaged in the harvest. We must be engaged in sowing, planting, watering, plowing, praying, reaping every part, wherever He gives it. And we'll come to seed in different stages. We'll come to seed in different stages. And so we need the wisdom of God to operate in that moment in whatever part of labor that needs to be done for the seed to produce harvest. Isaiah 66. Verse number 5. Isaiah 66 and verse 5. Hear the word of the Lord, you that tremble at His word. Your brethren that hated you. Watch, I want you to see this verse. And the Lord was talking to me about this verse. Early today. I'd never seen this before this way. Hear the word of the Lord, you that tremble at his word. Your brethren that hated you, what did they do? They cast you out. Why? Why did they cast out their brethren? For what? 
for my name's sake. Nineteen forty-five. Go back further than that. Sent out a short article to many of you. Nineteen twenty-something. Following the outpouring of the Holy Ghost in Topeka, Kansas, and then the outpouring of the Spirit of God at Azusa Street, that took place at the turn of the century that sparked revival across the nation and across the world. And there are lives still going today. There are many spirit-filled believers across the face of the earth today because of what started at Azusa Street. Now, I realize it's because of what started at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. But the reawakening that came that we're now walking in as a result of what started at Azusa Street when Revelation came, started Topeka, you can read all that history. It was at the Arroyo Seco campground. These men and women had gathered together, ministers across the nation there in California had gathered together. These were people upon whom the Holy Ghost had been poured out. They were witnessing this phenomenon that had taken place at the turn of the century, and they were beginning to gather in faith recognizing the infilling of the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking in other tongues as His Spirit gives the utterance. And they were gathering together there, and it was there that a man preached on the power of the name of Jesus and began to share the Scriptures from the Word of God where the disciples baptized in Jesus' name again and again and again. And a man had a vision early one morning. I can't remember if it was a vision or dream. But he saw baptism happening in the name of Jesus. And he got up and history records, he ran around the campground saying, it's in the name of Jesus. It's in the name of Jesus. It's in Jesus' name. It's in Jesus' name. And this revelation came and men began to go back. Imagine this. You would think, how could they not? But they went back and began to look at the word there. And they saw, oh, my goodness. Acts 2, Peter declared it. Acts 8, Philip did it. Acts 10, Peter commanded it. Acts 19, Paul declared it and did it. And they saw repeatedly baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. And this became known as the new issue at that time. The new issue. And there were men who, pastors, ministers of congregations who rebaptized one another in the name of Jesus Christ. But this became a point of contention for some because the roots were in European Catholicism and Protestantism. And to now go back through all these years and say, hold on a minute, you mean it's in the name of Jesus, not in the titles of Jesus? And this became a divisive issue. And there was a vote. This, this is just history. This isn't, this isn't speaking negatively of someone. This is, I'm simply declaring to you history. You can go search this and read this. This is history. There's about 300 pastors, ministers that came together that were Holy Ghost-filled, Spirit-filled part of this movement. 
in the early 1940s. And they were debating this very issue as part of their organization. The organization was called the Assemblies of God. They were spirit-filled. They believed and taught the infilling of the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking in other tongues. But they brought this to the floor. Approximately 300 ministers of this organization, they brought this issue, the new issue, to the floor. This time it had been a new issue for quite a few years, but it was spreading across the nation, this revelation of the mighty God in Christ and baptism in His name. And it spread across the nation. They're having this meeting, the Assemblies of God, and they made a decision. And they determined they would not change the baptismal formula to match what was in Scripture but instead would remain with the titles that had been done through history of different churches rather than the way the apostles did it in those various scriptures. And out of those 300 or so men, a hundred of those men stood and respectfully said, we cannot go against the word of God. And a hundred of those men walked out of that meeting. And that is the birth of the United Pentecostal Church. History. Why did I walk you through that? Because I'm telling you, this all came to my spirit as I was reading this verse today. Hear the word of the Lord, you that tremble at his word. I think there were a hundred men that trembled at his word when they said, we can't just do what's always been done because it's always been done. We see something in the word that we can't ignore. Your brethren hated you. And the reason they cast you out was for my namesake. The division was over the name. One group said, it's in the name. And one group said, we believe the titles are sufficient. You understand, it's not a... It's not a damnation of those that said the titles are sufficient. Unless they reject the word, then it becomes damnation to themselves of their own doing. I'm telling you, I couldn't, I wasn't even considering that until when I read this the second time, the Lord brought that to the front of my spirit. But watch. So, so now you see who he's talking to. He's talking to those that were cast out by their brethren because of his name. Now, do I think this is just speaking of that time in 1945? Not at all. But I couldn't help but my spirit to see that connection. Now, watch. Let the Lord be glorified. But he shall appear to your joy. And they shall be ashamed. A voice of noise from the city. A voice from the temple. (laughs) What What is that 
voice of noise from the city. What is that voice of noise from the temple? You know what I think it is? And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they began to speak with other tongues. A voice in the city. The city of Jerusalem. A voice from the temple. They were gathered there at the feast of Pentecost where they would gather. And a voice comes. What happened? These are the disciples that had been separated because they were Jesus followers. They had been separated. Oh, the rest were still good practicing Jews at the temple. But this 120 or so were Jesus followers. They were cast off by their brethren. But a voice of noise came from the city. A voice of noise came from the temple. A voice of the Lord. And what happens? Everybody in the city heard it. And what did they hear? They did hear them speak the wonderful works of God in their own language. It was the voice of the Lord that rendered recompense to their enemies. Feel the Holy Ghost. Some of y'all getting revelation this morning. Me too. Watch. Verse 7. All of that was to get to here. Before she... Tri- Let me just say this. What I shared with you about that history of the new issue in the name. We've entered into other men's labors. We've entered into other men's labors. It was called the new issue. But you can go back through history. I got a book somewhere at home. Somebody's researched it. You can go all the way back through history. And all the way through history. All the way back to Pentecost you find a people that stayed separated unto the Lord and continue. You can always find a people that baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. It wasn't until the Council of Nicaea that men changed and put in a formula based on Jesus' command in Matthew 28. We know the apostles understood the command. They fulfilled it. Now, we've entered into other men's labors. I don't want you to think the new issue just came around then. It's been for that group at that time, it was a new issue. But the Lord would not allow it to go away. He brings that revelation. Now watch verse 7. We know what happened on the day of Pentecost, right? We just quoted that. And then Peter preached his message and 3,000 souls were added. Yes? Do you think those 120 ran out in the city and said, okay, there's 120 of us. Let's do the math. 3,000 divided by 120. Quick, quick, quick. That's almost, that's a little bit less than 30 persons each. Okay, so every, is that right? Is that good math? Yeah, 30. 30 times 100 is 3,000. So that's, that's about 27 each. So all 120 of you run out of the temple. Go find 27 people each and get them all back here. I think God's getting ready to do something. You think that's how it happened? No, I don't think so either. 
I think seed had been sown in the life of Christ's ministry. I think seed had been sown when he sent the 70 out two by two saying, preach the kingdom. I think seed had been sown. And what happened on the day of Pentecost is the prophet Joel's utterance came true and rain came down and the seed came up and there were 3,000 souls added to the church that day. And it wasn't much later you see 5,000 souls were added to the church. What happened to those 3,120 say, okay, let's all go get two. And if we'll all go get two, then that. Now, I believe they were telling everybody. You're not going to believe what happened to me, man. I was at the Feast of Pentecost the other day. Oh, yeah, yeah, we celebrated that. Well, no, but this is different. Let me tell you, while we were at the Feast of Pentecost, something happened to me. And we began to worship God. And as we were worshiping God there at the feast, the power, it was like wind came. And we began to open our mouth. And words I did not learn began to come out of my mouth. And as I began to speak, it was like God was speaking through me. And people who saw us said they saw like fire sitting on our head. I'm telling. And then Peter preached and said, this is what Joel prophesied. I was there. And the word began to spread. And the word began to spread. They were sowing seed. They knew they were part of fulfilled prophecy. Do you believe that you're part of fulfilled prophecy? You are. And you're part of prophecy that has not yet been fulfilled. If we will walk in it. How did it happen? Seed had been sown, but watch. Before she travailed, and I'm hurrying, I'm almost done. Before she travailed, who's she? Zion, the church. Okay, we're still in context here. Before she travailed, Zion, the church. Before she travailed, she brought forth. Before her pain came, she was delivered of a man child. What's the prophet saying? The desire of God to give birth was so great and so declared. It was so much the will and the mind of God that even without travail, there was birth. Contrary to what we know to be a requirement for birth, there was birth because it was such the will and prophetic word of God before she travailed. Seven. Verse 8, stand with me, please. Now, they're hearing this, and you're thinking, hold on. That doesn't even make sense. This is so contrary. No travail birth. All the moms are going, that ain't right. And God and I got to talk about some things, if that's the case. But he's talking spiritually here. He's talking spiritually here. Prophetically. And he declares this about before she even travailed, she brought forth. And that is so contrary to human thinking. The Lord understanding the frame of those he's prophesying to. Has the prophet Isaiah declare this from the lips of God through the man. Who have heard such a thing? Who's seen such things like this? Shall the, notice the shift. Shall the earth... Before he said she, he was talking about the church. But then he says, shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion 
travailed. As soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children. I'm telling you in the Holy Ghost this morning, there is a travail of God that's going to come on the church. And it will not be long and drawn out year after year and month after month. But there is seed that has been planted. We have talked about seed a lot and we talk about seed in the ground. But we also understand that seed is the seed in a woman that produces the birth of a child. And there is seed that will come. Seed that has been sown. Seed that has been sown. Seed that has been sown. And the Lord will come suddenly to His temple. And when the Spirit of the Lord comes to the seed that is in the heart of a life, there will be a bringing forth. And as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth. I believe what we read about in the book of Acts, when 3,000 were added and 5,000 were added, it is a small representation of this prophetic truth. But what we will see in the last days is the former reign. and the la- You understand the book of Acts was the former reign. We will see the former reign and the latter reign together in the first month. And people will say, come on now. Is it possible that the entire earth could bring forth in one day? Is it possible that a nation could be born in one day? And I say according to the Word of God, yes, He will do it. Yes, He is able. Yes, it is His plan. It's not something we'll produce. We will simply choose to participate in. This is so in my spirit. I'm not going to put him on the spot, but I'm going to sort of pick on him. Jose, how long have you been harvesting and working apples in your life? 23, 33 years. 33 years. 33 years. Have there ever been years where you woke up one morning and you're like, man, I just don't feel like getting out there in the middle of that harvest right now. Had some of those days, I bet. (laughs) Now, you might be able to take a day off when it's pruning season. But when it's harvest time. I'd imagine in 33 years during harvest time, you probably said, Alexander, come on. Yeah, Lupe, come on. We got work to do. We can let the guys prune during the winter, but it's harvest time. I don't care how you feel right now. It's harvest time. I understand you got other circumstances in life that are pulling on you. It's harvest time. I understand there's distractions and life can pull you. Hear me. It's harvest time. It's harvest time. I may not feel like getting up. I got to get out. If I don't get into the field, the harvest could be lost. If I don't get in the field, the harvest could be lost. It's not time to worry about how I feel or what's this or that. There's harvest. There's harvest. 
Yeah, you got problems. God will help you with those. But get in the field. Yeah, you got some life issues to work through. I get it. God will help you with that. But get in the field. The harvest is dependent. I hear the beckoning call. I can only tell you where my spirit has been taken. Everything's not perfect in life. But there's a harvest in the field. And we need laborers. It's greater than us. And the earth is going to bring forth in a day. The nation's going to be born in a day. Not an earthly nation, but a kingdom nation. A heavenly nation of people called out of darkness into marvelous light. It's harvest time. I'm abandoned to the harvest. I'm abandoned to the harvest. My job doesn't take priority over the harvest. My physical health doesn't take priority over the harvest. I'm not telling you you let your job go. I'm not telling you let your physical health go. But what I'm telling you is when it's harvest time, you understand, i got to push through some stuff. i got to get in the field. If I don't, stuff will be lost. But we're not talking about apples. We're talking about souls. I don't get in the field, the harvest will be lost. And the window is short. I'm going to say it again. We can't produce it. She can't go, okay, i got to figure out how to do this. We are workers together with Him. We are laborers together with Him. So we fellowship Him. We abide in Him. We fellowship His Word. And we begin looking at our life and go, hold on a minute. That's not a priority anymore. It distracts me from harvest. I can't give time and effort and energy to that anymore. It's not about right or wrong. It's just it's distracting me from harvest. In the name of Jesus. If you'd like to be a laborer together with him, would you talk to him and commit yourself today? God, whatever you need. I'm not my own. I've been bought with a price. You are the Lord of the harvest. You are the Lord of the harvest. I'll not let offense get in the way. I'll, I'll repent of it. I'll cast it on you. I'll release my brother or sister. I'll not hold on to unforgiveness because that would hinder the harvest. I just want unity. I just want unity of spirit. I want unity of spirit. This is why he's been dealing with us about that. Because he needs us laboring together with him. We are laborers together with him. Not just laborers with him. Laborers together with him. I need you beside me in the harvest. I need to be working with you. I haven't got time to compare brother to sister. I just need to be laboring alongside one another. I don't care who plants or who waters. God gives the increase. Let's just work together. Let's just work together. Let's be led of the Spirit. Let's give ourselves to prayer and the Word and reaching into the harvest. Open our eyes, Father. Let us see the field. Open our eyes. Let us see the field. Open our eyes. Let us see the field. There's a field of harvest. Seed, not just seed we've sown, Lord, but seed that has been sown over a hundred years or more. And we're going to enter into the labor of the harvest. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Jesus.